Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 177. And today, I want to talk about five FBA rookie mistakes and how to avoid them. And I know these firsthand because I've fallen into some of these mistakes myself. So I want you to learn from some of these mistakes. And also, now that I've been at this a little while and I've been you know, interviewing people, I really wanted to dive into these mistakes, the ones that really resonate with me and that other people are making. I want to shed some light on these and really just show you or explain to you that these are mistakes that you don't have to make and that you can start to also think a little bit differently when you're going through certain parts of this business or any business for that matter, all right? So that's what we're gonna be talking about today. Now, it's funny, you know, I'm sitting here literally in a room about 12 by 12 with my dog below my feet. He's sitting there as usual listening to this podcast and and I've said this before, he could probably launch his own product. He's listened to this so much and it's just hysterical, right? But it's just us hanging out with you uh, just talking about business and about Amazon and private labeling and all of that cool stuff. So I just want to say again, thank you so much for being a listener. Thanks for tuning in and sharing it. I mean, our numbers last month were were uh, one of the best that we've ever had as far as downloads go and iTunes and all of that stuff. So I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys rock. And I appreciate it, all of you TASers out there. And speaking of TASers, I did want to give a quick little shout out to one of our TASers inside of the Facebook community, and uh, the one I wanted to give a little shout out here is Raymond Shy, and I hope I pronounce your last name correctly, Raymond, and I probably didn't, and I apologize, but Raymond posted a picture of him in his mail truck delivering mail in the in the states in the US and uh, he's in the truck he's got all his you know his uniform on he's got the mail truck with some bins back there and uh, and he posted a little selfie and he said this he says thank you Scott for the amazing podcast and all the information within now I stopped listening to music and had start started listening to your podcast at work while I drive all day on my route also this Facebook group is one of the best communities I've joined. Cheers. Hashtag awesome podcast. Hashtag no more music. So thank you so much, Raymond. You had a ton of people come on there, uh, like your post, and also uh, just say congratulations and awesome and just, uh, you know, love being, uh, you know, the one on the other end of, of you know, de- delivering the samples that are maybe coming to our house from your service or UPS or FedEx or any of the other ones as well. But Raymond, thank you so much. And again, this is just, you know, you know, the power of our Facebook community is being able to have people like Raymond, you know, jump in there and post this stuff and just really keep everyone engaged and motivated, inspired, and just learning along the way. So keep it up. If you guys are not part of the Facebook group, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash F as in Frank, B as in boy for Facebook. And the other one little announcement I want to make here is if you guys are brand new to this FBA game or maybe you have been a listener but you haven't had time to attend one of my live workshops, now is your time to register for an upcoming one. You can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop and that there is a live free workshop that I do where I walk you through the five phases 
before launching a product on Amazon. We basically talk about product selection, we talk about sourcing, we talk about the pre-launch, the launch, and the promotional phase, and all that is covered inside of the workshop, plus I do live Q&A. So if you want to attend, definitely head over and register for an upcoming one. Would love to hang out with you. All right, guys, so what do you say? Let's go ahead and dive into these five FBA rookie mistakes, and I can show you how to avoid them or, or at least make you be aware of them. So let's just jump right in. Number one, getting frustrated in the product research stage and giving up. This is a big mistake because you don't know what could have been around the corner if you just would have pressed on a little bit more. And I go back to the book that I love so much, The Compound Effect. It's it's just a great book because it talks all about doing the little things day in and day out to eventually get to the big thing. And it compounds time after time after time. And if you're getting frustrated because you've researched for six days in a row and you're just not finding a product or a market that you want to go into, well, maybe you need to go and do a seventh day. And if you don't find it on the seventh day, you might have to do it on the eighth day. Or maybe you take a day off and then you do it on the ninth day, right? Don't give up is really what you need to understand in any business. This isn't just this business or life in general. If you're working out, I mean, one little side note here, I'm just getting back into working out. I was looking at some pictures about, oh, let's see, about three years ago. I'm 43 now. It was, I was 40 years old. And at that time, I was in like the best shape of my life. I was kind of like getting into a little bit of bodybuilding. Uh, my, my body was in the best shape that it ever has been. Well, three years, you know, have gone by. I've kind of fallen off of that, of that, uh, you know, that wagon a little bit. I'm not totally out of shape, but I'm not as in good shape as I wanted to be. So guess what? It's a little discouraging. It's a little, you know, a little downer to look back at those pictures and go, I have to work hard to get there again. But you know what? It's going to take one step at a time right? I'm not going to see the results right away, but you just have to keep at it. And that's the same thing with product research, because if you don't go through the product research and you don't stick with it until you find some products that you think you can launch into a market, well, then you're not going to be able to get to the next, you know, the, the next phase, which is the sourcing phase. And if you don't get to through the, for, the sourcing phase, then you can't get to the pre-launch phase and so on right? So you have to go through these, these different stages, but you have to take consistent action to achieve them. And then you'll start to see the results and the results could be good. They could be not so good, but you're going to learn from the not so good. Okay. And that's why I don't really say failure. Okay. Because failure really to me, isn't a thing. It's that that's a learning lesson from that. All right. And again, I don't want to go on a tangent here or a rant, which you guys all know I can, but uh, I'm not going to, right. But Bottom line is, guys, if it was easy, everyone would be successful, okay? If it was easy, everyone would be successful, all right? So you just have to understand that, you know, if it's if it's hard, you know, to find a supplier for a new product, guess what? Other people are finding it hard too. And it, it's the ones that push through these obstacles, these ones that press on, hashtag press on, by the way, um, hashtag first uh, or start just start, hashtag take action, right? So all of these are like little hashtags that we do on Periscope. For those of you that follow me on Periscope, you guys know that's pretty much what we talk about there, right? So just understand, if you're having a hard time, there's other people having a hard time too, right? But it's the ones that are going to push through that, right? And get to the next 
part of this process, okay, in anything, okay, forget about Amazon for a second, we're just talking about, let's just talk in general, if you're going after something, if I, like me, I'm going after trying to get, you know, back into that kind of shape I was when I was 40, and now I'm 43, you know, but I know it's going to be steady things, one after, you know, one after the other, I have to get things in check, right, and I know what I got to do, I just have to do it, right, but it's not going to be easy, okay, now, the other thing I want to mention here is when you are in this stage of the product research stage, which is probably one of the most important stages because this is going to allow you to find a market or products, right? And that's really what I, I kind of just said there, a market, because that's really what you need to be focusing on in this stage, right? A lot of people just try to go after the product, and I think that's fine to start with, but then the product, you have to then relate it back to you know, the market, okay? So that's why it's really about you know, I, I've got a little, you know, note here for myself to kind of tell you guys, it's all market, 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 meaning you need to focus on the market and not the product. You can start with a product that gets you interested in a market. That is okay. Okay. But it's not in, in the end you need, it's not all about just the product. It's about the market that is buying the product and not just product. And I, I want to have a little caveat here, products, right? We want a product line. We don't just want one product right? So your first thing when you're in this stage too, and then you're, you know, of course I can hear you guys now too. Oh, Scott, now I'm just trying to find one product. I can't even find one. How am I going to find three? How am I going to find five? It's easier once you find the market to then say what other products are being sold in this market. And you can start just from that one product that you're looking at and saying, okay, what additionally would someone buy? If someone's buying a garlic press, what else in the kitchen would they buy? Well, they could buy a bunch of different things. Well, let's say something that's related to that. Well, they could do a meat tenderizer, right? Meat tenderizer. So you got, you know, if you're doing uh, chicken parm, you're gonna maybe beat down on the, on the. I'm not a chef, by the way, uh, but you can, you know, tenderize or not even tenderize, but flatten out. You know, you might need a roller, right? I know that some people do that. They roll out the chicken to make it thinner. So when they do the chicken parm, right? So now you got a garlic press, you got a roller, you've got uh, maybe a meat tenderizer, uh, you know, all that stuff. Right? So there's three different products that we just talked about. Now, are they going to work? Well, I don't know. I haven't done the research, but I can I can tell you that that's the process, right? So understanding the market. Who is the market? Well, the market in that case is someone that enjoys cooking, right? Or maybe someone that not necessarily just enjoys cooking, but has to cook, right? So there's two different markets there. You can have someone that's really passionate, maybe about being a chef. Or you have someone that's just the everyday person that's cooking dinner every night, but they enjoy cooking Italian food or they, they, they enjoy just cooking in general, right? So again, market, market, market. You need to focus on the market and not the product, okay? But you can still get the idea from a product and then look at the market, okay? Now, you also, at this particular stage, I'm, I'm digging in here a little bit for you guys, okay, because I know a lot of people get frustrated in this product research, and then they give up, and I'm trying to give you ways to kind of think a little bit outside of just going into a tool and finding a product, okay, and some people say, well, Scott, what about, you know, like the web app of Jungle Scout, and what about the, the extension, like, I think they're great, right, but it's not everything, okay, there's got to be some manual work done in order to really, really dig deep. Okay, those are tools to kind of bring things to the surface, to look at maybe some numbers up front, but then it's really about doing that research after that, okay? And this is what I want you to do too. I want you to think about the market, okay? The different uses for the products in that market, okay? And then I also want you to think about, and I ask yourself this question, 
could you build a Facebook page or a group around this market? Okay. Could you build a page, a Facebook fan page or a group about this product? Or could you build, if they were even still popular, could you build a forum around this? You know, could you, could you create a community around this market? Okay. Not just the products, the market. Let's take yoga. There's a huge yoga, you know, community out there, right? So could you build a Facebook fan page around yoga and then show different exercises or different stretches or different tools that you use or, you know, accessories, uh, you know, different. Now, when you're talking about yoga, you're probably going to start introducing some nutrition and you're probably going to talk about meditation and all of this stuff, right? So could you build a Facebook fan page or a group around yoga? Yes. Okay. Could you build a Facebook fan page or group around the person who's really into cooking or baking, you know, cakes and cupcakes and uh, brownies and all of these pastries? Like there's a whole market out there for cupcakes. Uh, you know what I mean? There's a, there's, a, there's cupcake contests and wars, they call them on TV and all this stuff, right? There's all these competitions, right? So could there be a market around that? Yes. Okay, so you have to ask yourself those questions, and if the answer is yes, then that's a market that you could potentially launch products to, okay? So just remember that. Think about the market, okay, that is using that product or products, and then ask yourself, could you build a page or a group or a community around that market, all right? And that there is everything because once we start on Amazon, once we validate that the product can sell, that people like the product, and not to mention if you can find pages and groups that are already out there, you can get a lot of information from those of what people like and what they don't like, not just on Amazon, okay? But if you can do that, I'm telling you right now, that is how you will build a big business. It's something that I'm working on right now currently is to now take uh, you know, my products that I currently have and start expanding them, but also start expanding outside of, of Amazon to where I can start building that email list. I can start building that outside community and I can start to really engage with that audience. And from there, then you can just start marketing your products throughout your content when you're creating it. But again, I'm getting a little off track here because it is really, really important to understand if you can find a market that you want to serve there will be products that they are buying. I promise you that, okay? Now, if you guys want to listen to a recent one I just did not too long ago, episode 165, and I talk about back to basics, and I kind of break it down, and I give you kind of like some checklists to go through, check that episode out. That is theamazingseller.com forward slash 165, and it's really all about going back to basics, not relying on tools at this point, just really going back to the basics to get your, you know, to get your creative juices flowing, but also to give you some ideas and inspiration to go off of. So definitely check out that episode. All right, let's move on to number two of these rookie mistakes, and that is depth of the market. Now, I just was reading inside of the TAS community, by the way, uh, that uh, someone was saying on there that they don't really go by depth of market, and they think that because everyone is using depth of market, it makes it more competitive. And I I don't agree 100% with that because I think product number one, you're looking for the best chance to succeed, right? You're, you're trying to find that one product that will at least make you a profit, right? And in the beginning, I really don't even care if it is only $5 profit. I know I go by the 10 by 10 by one, which is, you know, $10 profit, 10 units sold, one product. And I get that. And that's totally cool. 
But if you went and you tried to do the 10 by 10 by one, but you fell short and you only were making $5 profit, do you feel, did you still think that that was a success? I do because you've learned the process. You're still making money. And you were able to do it because you took that depth of market approach and it it really validates that there's demand so you don't have to be in the number one, two, or three spot, okay? But his claim was, well, if I can find a product that's selling, you know, 3,000 units amongst the top three, then that's fine. That's 1,000 each. I can come in number four and maybe take a few of those. And that may be true, but... You don't know. You could also do that same thing and then land at number four and you're number four. You're going to get just a trickle of sales. Maybe you're only going to get five a month, right? We don't know that. But if we know that there's 10 sellers or 16 sellers that are all generating 10 sales a day, then it's a lot easier to come in there and just outrank one of those, right, with a similar product, maybe better reviews, maybe maybe better features, whatever, and then grab some of that market. It's just easier to do it that way. But moving forward, yes, if you want to do this on product three, four, five, yeah, go for it, right? Because now you're willing to take a little bit more of that risk. But in the beginning, we want to validate the demand because it's going to you know, make it less risky for us, all right? But in the future, when you have future products and you're rolling them out, yeah, you can go less depth if you want to. Like I said, it's a little riskier, but you can do it. Also, if you have that external channel created where you have an authority website or an authority blog, you have an email list that you're building outside of Amazon, maybe through Facebook ads or Google ads, and you're driving them to a piece of content on your on your blog or your, your authority website, and then from there, you're getting them into a funnel, and then that funnel is going to then engage with them and then you know show them some of your products. That's totally different, right? Now, we don't even care about how much depth there is necessarily on Amazon as much as if we're just focusing on Amazon. And again, we can talk for hours on that as far as like that whole, you know, building a funnel outside of, which I'm going to be uh, experimenting with really, really soon. And I will be reporting on that because that's what this podcast is all about. Me really giving you guys the play-by-play of what I'm doing and what I'm learning and what I'm doing, uh, you know, throughout this process. All right. So number two, again, depth of market. If you guys want to check out a couple of episodes where I talk, you know, pretty uh, extensively about that with Greg Mercer uh, of Jungle Scout, you can head over to episode 156 and 161. And I will go ahead and leave these on the show notes as well. Again, the show notes to this episode, like the others, we've now included some transcripts. So everything will be transcribed. You can guys can download it or you guys can just read it right there on the blog as well as the show notes. So that's there for you, uh, you know, as uh, being a listener. Just head over to this episode, which is 177, and everything will be linked up there. But if you wanted to go directly to those depth of market podcast episodes, that would be episode 156 and 161, all right? Now, let's move on to number three. Number three is not understanding profit margins, okay? And this is the reason why I like to start with a minimum retail price of $19, okay? Really, 20 bucks is like the magic number, but let's just say, you know, if it was 19 bucks, or let's, you know what, to make the math easier, let's just do 20 bucks, okay? So let's just use that as an example. So let me talk briefly about the 10 by 10 by one, okay? Or we can do a five by 10 by one. Scott, what is this? What, is, what are you talking about, right? Well, here it is really, really quickly. 10 by 10 by one is $10 profit, okay? That's per unit. 
And that's 10 units sold a day, and that is one product. So you have one product that does 10 sales a day at $10 profit each. That would be $100 per day. Ask yourself that question. What would $100 per day for you do? Okay, would that, how would that feel? What would it do for you right now? That's $3,000 a month, by the way, okay? <laughs> for any of you guys that are a little slow on math like me, right? That one I know. So it's $3,000 per month, okay? If that's all you did was sold 10 units per day at $10 profit for one, you know, one, one product, okay? That'd be 100 bucks a day. Ask yourself that. And a lot of people don't, they don't look at it like that. They're like, oh, that's too small. I want to go after 50 units a day. Well, that's going to be harder, you know, and it's going to be more work, uh, you know, in, in my eyes. I think if you start there, you might surprise yourself. You might go out of the gate with 20 units a day. You don't know, right? Uh, I did an episode not too long ago that, uh, you know, a lady did that. She, she went after the 10 by 10 by 1 after listening to the podcast. And guess what? She started doing about 150 units a day in the fourth quarter, which was insane, right? That doesn't mean she's going to continue to do that. That was fourth quarter, right? But she started with the mindset of 10 by 10 by 1. Now, let's say that, uh, let's say you're starting out and you, you didn't do as good as you wanted to. What if you only did $5 profit, but you sold 10 units a day and that was one product? That'd be 50 bucks a day, right? So that's not bad. What's that, $1,500 a month? That's a mortgage payment for a lot of people, right? So again, understand the profit margins. That's really, really important. And that's why usually going after a product that's $19, $20, somewhere in that range at the low end, and then upwards of $35 to $45 is a good place to start, especially when you're first starting, because it's going to cost you probably at that price point. If you're going to go after something that's $20, you're probably going to spend $5 for that unit, and that's delivered right into Amazon. So let's kind of cover them real quick. You need to understand when you're when you're figuring out your profit, there's a few things you need to understand. It's going to cost you for the product, right? Cost of goods, okay? What does that product cost from for everything all the way from them making the item, shipping the item, packaging the item, all of that stuff, what's it going to cost to get it in Amazon? That's what we need to know. So if they if they uh, send you the product directly to your home, and let's say it costs you $4.50, well, let's say it costs you another $0.25 cents to get it into Amazon, you're at $4.75, Okay, that's that's basically your hard cost. Now, if you sell on Amazon for $20, Amazon's going to take about $5 of that, okay? So now you're at 10 bucks. Now you got $10 left over. There is your $10 profit. Well, if you're running pay-per-click, well, your pay-per-click might eat up a dollar per unit on that. We don't know. We don't know that until we start running it, right? And again, when you're first starting, that $10 profit might not hit right out of the gate. You might start at $5 and then know that you can cut some of the cost by manufacturing. You can cut some of that cost by your promotions, by your advertising, all of that good stuff, right? But those are really your hard costs that you got to think about. Miscellaneous tools, you know, there might be a few few uh, tools that you're using. Um, there's, there's not many in the beginning, especially. But there are those those you know those other costs that come into the the equation. Those have to be figured in to figure out your profit. Okay, and that's your profit margin. But a lot of people don't understand the basics of the profit margin. They just think I buy it for this, I get it here, but they don't figure out all the in in between costs, which there isn't a ton. But you do have to figure those out. If you have an inspection service on uh, China side and you pay them 300 bucks and you had a thousand units, well, now you got to figure that $300 across the thousand units. You know, that's additional cost to that before you got it to Amazon. So all that stuff has to get figured in. Okay. So just understand the profit that you can make 
if you get what you want to sell it for, you know, if you charge what you're able to charge and you're able to, to get people to buy it for that, and then if you're able to land it at that certain cost. Now, here's the other little side side note here on this is you may start out and only be ordering 500 units and your cost from the manufacturer might be a dollar higher than it would be if you ordered a thousand. Well, now, you know, even though right now you're only making $8 profit, you know, once you get to that thousand dollar mark, you can get that down a dollar. You're going to gain a dollar in profit, right? Just from that one thing. Or maybe your packaging right now, you're only ordering 500 of those and they're costing you 25 cents a piece. But if you order, I don't know, 2000, they'll throw them in for nothing. Well, now you can save that cost, right? So you, you, you can probably improve that. But you do want to know that up front that I am paying a little bit more right now, but as I continue to grow, I will be able to, uh, you know, to, to take that, that cost of goods and bring that down. All right. So that's number three, not understanding profit margins. So definitely make sure that you understand the different costs that are involved. Okay. Number four, seasonality. Okay. This is a big one. Okay. Now I'm not saying that you can't, you know, you can't sell something that is seasonal. Okay, I'm not saying that. There's people that do that and they're successful. The problem that I see with that is you may launch a product today, right? And all of a sudden, next month, it's out of season. So now you got to wait a whole nother year to get that, you know, those next three months or four months that it's in season, right? The only way that that can work in my, in my, uh, you know, my eyes is really if you have you know, different products for different seasons. It's almost like if you had a clothing line, you're going to have, you know, spring, summer, fall, winter, right? So you have four different seasons. You're going to have four different product lines or four different, you know, clothes or whatever attire that is going to, you know, be based around the different seasons. All right. So you need to understand, you know, are you selling something for the outside, uh, you know, camping time, right? So maybe camping is in the summer, maybe early fall. Uh, or, or, you know, so you might, you might get four or five months out of camping if you got something in the camping space, right? And that's okay, but now those campers, what are they doing in the winter? Now you got to launch a product in the winter that's going to allow you to also, you know, serve that market. Going back to, right, going back to the very first thing we talked about is the market, right? So if you have a market and they're hunters, right? We have, you know, hunters out there that are always, you know, getting stuff in the fall for their hunting trips and this, that, and the other thing. What are those hunters doing on the off season? Well, they're probably into something else. Maybe they're doing inside, um, you know, uh, bow training or, you know, whatever that's called, right? You know, so now they need targets or now they need uh, a certain, you know, uh, uh, not a, uh, uh, a certain glove, right? That yeah, helps them when they pull back on the bow and arrow, uh, you know, so there's different things to that market. I don't know that market, but I would need to know that before I would go ahead and even think about doing something that was seasonal. The other thing with seasonal could be, you know, different gifts, right? You might have a gift that is really great for Father's Day or a gift that is really good for uh, birthdays, right? Well, birthdays, yeah, there's different times of the year. You have more birthdays, but it's really kind of hard to nail down. But, you know, I don't mind if you have something that can be sold as a gift, but also it's gonna need to be steady throughout the year. So you might have a spike, you know, on a holiday, but then you want to, if it, once it flattens out, you want that to still be your, let's call it your 10 by 10 by one. But when it spikes, you might get 30, you know, 30 sales a day. Okay. So that's something you need to understand is seasonality. And a great way to do this is to look at Google Trends. It's a great, great free tool 
Just go to Google Trends and then type in your keyword. So if it's uh, if I was going to be doing bass fishing, I would type in bass fishing and I would see when the spike is for bass fishing and I would see if it's steady throughout the year also. You know, sometimes you'll see it spikes and then it drops right down and it flatlines, right? So you want to look at the trends by looking at Google and uh, and seeing what they're saying, all right? The other one to look at is if you're looking at a product and you're comparing it inside of Amazon, take that, bring it over to that, you know, that listing, take over that link or the ASIN, bring it over to camelcamelcamel.com and then punch it in there and see what it's done throughout the year. And you'll see the BSR, how you know how it's gone up and down. You'll see the pricing. You'll see all of that stuff, okay? And again, you always want to be thinking to yourself, if I'm going after a seasonal product, are there additional products that I can sell at other times of the year, all right? Now, we recently just did a hot seat session, and we did talk about seasonality because one of the issues that she was having was a seasonal product. Okay, and she really didn't think it was that seasonal until she got up and running. But then as we looked at it and we started looking at the numbers and we started looking at the product and it definitely has, you know, peak seasons. All right. And that's why it was harder, especially when now she went into a market that had a lot of sellers in there. Okay. Selling almost the identical product that also makes it harder. Now, if you have a a more unique product, that could definitely help you. All right, but if you want to check out that episode, we really dig in really deep into her business. That is episode 162, and uh, again, I will link to that in the show notes of this episode, which is 177, but that particular episode is 162, so that would be theamazingseller.com forward slash 162, a great session. Chris Schaefer and I really broke down her business and talked all about what we would do and also what to look forward or to look into moving forward as far as like picking other products and stuff. Um, Okay, so let's move on to number five. This is a big one, a big one. I see this happen a lot and it's happened to me. It's happened to me. It totally, totally has. All right, so number five is overthinking and overcomplicating things <laughs> in general, right? It's just our human nature. We're always trying to come up with that survival. Like, what if this happens? Or I should do this. Or what if I don't do this, right? So all of these things start to come up before we even get through the product research stage. Right? We start thinking about, all of the things that we might have to do or people are saying that I need to do and that right there paralyzes us to do nothing and that's what we don't want to happen, right? So, I mean, you might be asking yourself, you're getting just getting started, you're in the product research stage and all of a sudden it's like, how am I gonna build a website? Do you think that you really even have to be thinking about a website and you don't even have a product, you know, even thought about yet or a market picked yet but you're thinking about how to build a website, all right? Or how about this one? I think I need a YouTube channel. Other people are saying that I should build a YouTube channel. How am I going to do that? I don't know how to build a YouTube channel. How many videos should I post? Who's going to post the videos? I'm not good on camera. All of those things start to attack your brain and start to think to yourself, how am I going to do all this stuff? Don't worry about it, okay? How about this one? Do I collect sales tax? Hmm, it's a good question. But do you really even need to know that right now? Not really. (laughs) You know, what you need to know is how to pick a product or how to find the sourcing for the product or how am I going to do my pre-launch? What you need to do is once you get to that stage as to where, yes, I need to ask myself that because money's starting to come in, that's when we ask ourselves that type of question, okay? And again, if anybody anybody is at the stage uh, of that, I always 
refer people over to TaxJar, TaxJar.com, okay? All right, next one is, but I need custom packaging before I start. So now all of a sudden, that holds up the whole process. We need to get a graphic designer. We need to make a custom box. We got to get, uh, you know, different, uh, you know, different size boxes, or we got to get a different size bag, or how are we going to print on the bag? Should I do a sticker, or should I just, you know, print directly on the bag? Uh, you know, do I need the suffocation warning on there? You know, all of this different stuff is being asked, and you haven't even launched a product yet, or you haven't even uh, picked the product, rather. Right. So all of that stuff starts to come in. Okay. Then the, the other one that this is a big one. I get this a lot. How do I drive outside traffic, Scott, from like Facebook or Google? Don't worry about that right now. Right. The only time you're going to worry about that, honestly, is once you get to the stage of where you are having consistent sales, you're, you're using Amazon pay per click, you know, well, <laughs> you're doing a good job with that. And now you're starting to think about building that external channel, that external email list. That's when I would focus on that. I wouldn't focus on it right now, right? The next one is, Scott, you talk about building an email list. I don't have a product launch yet, but how do I build an email list? Don't worry about it right now, right? You don't worry about those things until you get to that point, until you get up and running. All right. Now I do go through the entire launch process in episode 101 from start to finish. That's what you're going to do. There's nothing in there where I say create a YouTube channel. There's nothing in there that says do press releases. None of that stuff. Okay. It's a really, really simplified process. And once you get through that, then you start to ask yourself what's next. What do I do next? What is happening at that point in your business that you need to work on? That's what you need to focus on. Okay. Only focus on launching sales, reviews, and customer service. That's all you're going to worry about when you get the product picked, when you get it sourced, and when you get ready to rock and roll, okay? You're focusing on launching it, getting sales, getting reviews, and customer service. And customer service is a big one, guys, and I probably should talk about that more because it's really, really important. And if you do a great job on your customer service, you're going to have raving fans. You're also going to have opportunities to give them more resources. So this way here, they can come back to your website legally, uh, not breaking, you know, the rules or anything and then building a true, you know, fan of your business. And that's customer service, just being 110% there always. Okay. Okay. So that is pretty much my five rookie mistakes and obstacles that people are making and they're overcomplicating, number five that is, they're overcomplicating all of this, okay, when they don't have to, okay? Now, let me just kind of recap real quick, okay? Number one, getting frustrated in product research and giving up, okay? There's ways around this and the very, very first thing that I want to say is if you have not read the book, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy, Definitely, definitely read that or listen to it like I do on the audiobook uh, because I I don't like reading. You guys all know that, but I love that audio and I listen to it over and over again when I get into a funk or whatever. Uh, it definitely pulls me back out. So definitely a great book. But you really just need to understand that you you've been you've been at this. It something isn't working or you're not finding the product yet, it, and you've been working at it for seven days. Do it at an eighth day. That eighth day could be the day that the door opens. Okay. Two, depth of market, okay? There's people saying, you know, you know, I don't really care about depth of market. Well, that's your choice, but I believe in the beginning when you're first starting, this is gonna validate and really uh, reduce the amount of risk 
when getting started. So I would say don't skip the depth of the market. And if you guys, again, want to listen to that episode, I'll link it all up. But that's episode 156 and 161. Three, not understanding profit margins. Again, know your numbers. And once you do, everything else will become a lot easier and you'll know where you are and what you can do, okay? Number four, seasonality. Uh, that episode two that I'd love you guys to listen to is 162 because I think that that one there is really, really beneficial and I got a lot of great feedback on it is where we broke down, um, you know, this lady's business and uh, we really talked about seasonality a lot and uh, talked about how we would make sure in picking future products that we didn't fall into the seasonality, uh, you know, I guess realm. All right, so number five, overthinking and overcomplicating things and that is a big one. I would, again, stress this. Don't overthink or overcomplicate. Only work on what you need to work on now to move you forward. If you're picking a supplier, only focus on picking the supplier. In that stage or in that phase of picking a supplier, yes, you're going to have to you know, figure out how you're going to pay them. Work on that. You're going to have to figure out you know, what the agreement is going to be. Figure that out. But don't think about building a YouTube channel, right? It doesn't make sense. Only focus on what you have to focus on, period, all right? And I would definitely say go over and listen to episode 101, which is my updated launch plan. And again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash 101. But if you want all these links that I talked about today in this episode with the transcripts and the show notes and all that stuff, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash 177. All right, so that is going to wrap up this episode. Went a little bit longer than I thought. I thought it was actually going to go a little bit quicker because I'm like, I got these nailed out. I'm going to go through these, but I I do tend to rant a little bit because I, I really feel strongly about a lot of these. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be that difficult or you know, complicated. We just need to really, really understand that it's a process. And if it was easy, everyone would be doing it, right? So just... Just keep that in the back of your mind, right? When you're feeling frustrated, there's other people that are feeling frustrated too, and it's it's the ones that stick it out and stay in the game are the ones that are going to win, all right? So just remember that. I want to thank all of our TASers in the Facebook community. I, again, I wanted to just give you guys all a great, you know, little shout out here. And again, say hashtag just start, hashtag take action. And if you guys are on Periscope, and if you're not, uh, you can find me on Periscope at Scott Volker. But uh, we use those two hashtags quite a bit because it's pretty important. And uh, yeah, just wanted to say thank you guys for stopping by and hanging out with me again. And Brody, of course, he's already heard this, uh, you know, a hundred times or more probably uh, about me talking about these five different things here that we talked about today. But you know what? You got to keep bringing it back to the surface because it's really, really important. All right, guys, that is it. That is going to wrap it up. Let me remind you too, if you're brand new, you wanted to attend one of my live free workshops, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Would love to hang out with you for the evening. We can uh, go over this stuff in a little bit more detail, break it down, uh, everything from picking a product to launching a product to promoting the product and everything in between. We cover that and we do live Q&A. Would love you to attend and hang out with you. It would be awesome. So that's it, guys. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I am rooting for you, but you have to. You have to. Come on. Say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome, amazing day, and I'll see you in the next episode.